We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, Grinders and Vegas Insiders. Holden Kushner here with Dan Bach from Roto Grinders. Of course, Kevin Rogers from Vegas Insider. We're just going to do the three Thanksgiving Day games because it's the third greatest day in the sports year. You got the first two days of the NCAA tournament. You got Thanksgiving. You got the three Fs, family, food, football. It's going to be amazing. Good afternoon. Good morning. And if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you better like and subscribe to the channel or horrible things will happen to you. Uh, K-Rodge, what's going on, buddy? Three games, short turnaround. Love the Thanksgiving Day slate. Give me a little rundown here. Chicago, Detroit, Buffalo, Dallas, New Orleans at Atlanta. We'll really dive into these games in a moment, but uh, it's not a bad slate. It's not bad. I mean, good morning, Holden. Good morning, morning. Dan. It's just about, uh, you know, it always goes back to that argument about, about why do we get stuck with the Lions every year on Thanksgiving? It's tradition, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got to have the Lions yeah. on there. Yeah. But uh, they've been a complete dumpster fire recently. And, you know, you have three games, which obviously all three have different themes in a sense, that Chicago-Detroit, Chicago's trying to make a desperation run to the playoffs. And the second game with Buffalo and Dallas, we'll see if the Bills are for real or not because they have a tough stretch coming up after this great start. And in the final game with New Orleans and Atlanta, that if the Saints can get some revenge against the Falcons for that ugly loss a few weeks ago. But at least the good news is a few years ago, they put in a third game at night. So at least you get football from 1230 all the way through the night. So that's a positive. Yeah, just so you know, there was a tradition in Salem, Massachusetts, burning witches. And you know what they did? They stopped it. So let's just get rid of the Lions on Thanksgiving. Dan Bach from Roto Grinders, Sharp Side app. What's going on, buddy? We got some DFS. This really, to me, is my favorite DFS day of the year. It's it's a short slate, but it's still three games. And you know you're going to be sitting your ass on the couch watching every single second. 
Yeah, totally agree. Like, I don't love the singles game slates all that much. Not my cup of tea, but three games is perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be weird not rostering Theo Riddick for, like, the first time <laughs> over the last, like, six years because he's always been, like, the key guy on this Thanksgiving slate. But he's nowhere to be seen, so we've got to no. find this year's Theo Riddick. But, uh, yeah, this is this is a great day for DFS. Some big tournaments out there as well. Uh-huh. And uh, it's it's fun, too, like, especially, like, if you're out with the family – Put together like a family game. Like you can do private contests where you're just playing, you know, everybody who's at dinner builds a team or something like that. And uh, and that's fun. Get a little friendly competition. Don't have to jump in the big stuff. But either way, you know, get some DFS in your life this uh, Thanksgiving. Are you ripping your grandma off at Thanksgiving? Hey, this is horrible, Dan. I mean, what? I'm not. It's just an idea. Like she's cheap anyway, right? So (laughs) playing in a dollar game with five other people. All right. um, So let's get into this, K. Rod, from the betting side of things. Um, It's Chicago at Detroit. I am a little concerned that David Blau is going to have to start at quarterback. For Detroit, Stafford's gone. Driscoll now has a hamstring injury, and he's all about the running. The Bears opened as point-and-a-half dogs, and now they're three-point favorites. So explain to me why there was such a big line movement as it's Chicago at Detroit, 1230 Eastern. Because Detroit stinks. But why would they open as favorites then? That, though, I think was – that came about probably a week before. Here's what the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas does. They release these early lines about 10 days before, and we saw that last week, too, that New Orleans was laying seven to Carolina when it first – when they first released those early lines. Then it ended up being nine and a half, ten on that Monday. Same thing here that uh, I don't think it's necessarily a four-point swing from a few days ago that the opening line – they had Detroit uh, a little more as a favorite considering Chicago had been so poor, or at least Chicago wasn't playing well. But now, like you mentioned, with the quarterback situation and with the Lions losing that game to the Redskins last week, definitely has taken a bit of a hit on the Lions, even though they're back at home. And now Chicago coming off a win over the Giants. I think we see Chicago is still not going to be in the playoffs. That Minnesota and Seattle will be the two wild cards, assuming they don't win their divisions. And then Green Bay, San Francisco would be the other ones. But uh, Chicago doesn't have a shot to make the playoffs unless they go on an incredible run and one of those teams melts down. So for the Bears, Holden, that this game, obviously now they have a little bit of momentum. They've won two of three. They're playing great defensively. You can't take that away. It's just offensively they're not very good. But defensively, going back, they allowed 14 to the Giants, 17 to the Rams, 13 to Detroit, 22 to the Eagles, 17 to the Chargers after – they had uh, kind of a substandard performance against New Orleans back in October. But Chicago, we know their defense is still very good. It's just a question of if their offense can step up. For Detroit, six consecutive non-covers for them. And you know the last time they won a game at home and covered a game at home? was 1845. <laughs> Close. Week two against the Chargers. Wow. I mean, that, I mean, that's – and the Chargers we see aren't very good either. And the last time they covered – a game was against the Packers in that Monday night debacle. Remember that one? That was when they should have won at Green Bay, and they ended up losing by a point. So Detroit's just such a mess right now. I don't love the game just because I don't want to trust the Bears here, but uh, it's very hard to make an argument for the Lions. Hey, Dan, I think you you look at the other two games in the slate and DFS side, 
those are the games. I mean, New Orleans and Atlanta is going to be popular, and we're talking tournaments here. And then, of course, uh, Dallas. A lot of people are going to be on Dallas. So maybe this is the way to go if you want to win a tournament and just hope that you can pick the right guys. Hold your breath here, but Mitch Trubisky, I can't imagine he's going to be popular at all, especially considering that Prescott's just $400 more on DraftKings. But are there a couple of guys you could pick out from this game? Maybe you're going to differentiate yourself, whether it be a mid-tier wide receiver with the Bears, or all of a sudden you think that Montgomery's going to show up, Tariq Cohen, and anybody on the Lions side, maybe a Bo Scarborough. Yeah, I think the Lions side is the is really the toughest place to go here today. I mean, the one guy you could look at, Kenny Galladay, his price is the lowest that it's been all season long. So you've got some value there. Yeah, Scarborough, you know, last week 18 for 98 was respectable, but only a 50% snap share. So it's not like he's in there the entire time. And if David Blau is the quarterback, like I really want no piece of Detroit at all now. Chicago, on the other hand, I do think there's a lot of ways we can go here because I think the key, obviously, you're going to want people from New Orleans, Atlanta, the highest total. You got the best offensive players. Uh, the Dallas players are, are are pretty cheap. You know, you can look at Cooper. We'll get to that game here in a moment. But you got to always find like one or maybe two guys who can just get that one touchdown at really low ownership because there's always going to be you know, a lot of lineup overlap just simply because we've got three games. So a couple of names to throw out here on the Chicago side. I don't think he's contrarian, but Tariq Cohen against Detroit, who gives it up in the pass game, um, nine targets last game, 22% t- uh, touch share for the Bears. So he won't be, you know, 2% owned, but I think he's interesting. But two names that I do really like in this game, because I don't think we're going to see Taylor Gabriel play. One, Anthony Miller, 11 and nine targets for him over the last two games. And this one's going to be a, a, a deep, deep sleeper. But uh, but Mr. Wims there for the Chicago Bears, he played 45% of the snaps last week. He's only 3K. And if we're without uh, Taylor Gabriel, he's a guy who's going to get more snap shares than he had previously. So, Again, you need to take a few shots along the way, and if he scores a touchdown, you've, you're you going to be way ahead of the field because nobody's going to play him. So, uh, Wims, I think he's a 3K crapper that you can keep in your uh, I mean, the Miller call is good. I just I wonder how much oh, ownership it, he's going to have because we all know that he's going to have a massive yeah. opportunity with 20 targets over the last two weeks. Hey, um, K-Raj, game total here, open at 41, sitting at 39. Everybody knows this game is going to be ugly, so uh, do you have a lean either way here? I'd lean more towards under just because Detroit's offense can't produce and Chicago's offense stinks. The only thing I'll give the Lions here, the only one silver lining is, I know Washington's offense is terrible. They did allow four field goals and a kickoff return for a touchdown. So <laughs> let's not make it out to be that the Lions were diced up by the Redskins last week necessarily. They just couldn't get their offense going. So that's the one silver lining for Detroit. And the first time around, the Lions had some opportunities. They kicked a few field goals, and Chicago opened it up in the third quarter when they played a few weeks ago at at, uh, at Soldier Field. But I'm not going to depend on Jeff Driscoll if he plays. I'm not going to depend on Mitchell Trubisky for points. So I probably lean under. Just because, I mean, this is a Bears team that's hit five straight unders. I can't beg for points in this one. Hey, Dan, we were kind of talking about uh, Blau out there. And if it is Driscoll, then, 
and he does have a hamstring. Does that change your opinion anything on the Lions passing game? Not anything. really. Not really, because they haven't really been that good with Driscoll in that position. You know, Galladay in particular is the guy that I would want to play. I think he's the most talented player they have, but he is not – you know, uh, clicked particularly well there with Driscoll since he's been the starter. Maybe Blau is, you know, uh, maybe that'll that'll change. Maybe that'll actually help Galladay a little bit. I would think so, but you never know. I just know that he and Driscoll um, have, have not put up very interesting fantasy numbers the last couple of weeks. So, um, and then, of course, like team defense. I think you can play both of these team defenses. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be fairly chalky here with a lower total, but, um, you know, that's that's probably the chalk play in this game. Yeah, I think Dallas will probably be popular too. Let's get into that game, 4.30 Eastern. So you'll sit on the couch for about 45 minutes. Maybe you take a nap. Then the 4.30 game starts. Buffalo at Dallas. And Kevin, this game kind of stayed, you know, the lines have stayed pretty even. It opened at 45. It's sitting at 45. Opened as uh, seven-point favorites for Dallas at home. You can get them seven-point favorites at even money. You can get six and a half at minus ten. Uh, Buffalo, we know this, that they have struggled against the good teams and they've beaten the bad teams so far. Dallas coming off that tough loss and New England with the bad weather. I mean, Amari Cooper was blaming the weather for him not getting any uh, targets in that game. He's great at home. This Dallas offense is a completely different uh, beast at home with Amari Cooper getting going here. Give me your thoughts first on the line, then we'll get to Dan and come back about the total. Isn't it interesting how – we look at Buffalo, and this is a, it's a totally fair argument, Holden, that Buffalo has beefed up against not great teams. But can you say the same thing about the Dallas Cowboys? When yes. you look at they've beaten the Giants twice, the Redskins, the Dolphins. They had a nice win over the Eagles. Even Philadelphia looks a bit suspect now. But Dallas really has done the same thing, and they have the worst record of any division leader right now. So for Dallas, you know, you say to yourself, all right, you hung around with New England last week. But at the same time, you didn't win the shootout with them. And Dallas now falls to 0-5 when they scored less than 30 points. When they score 31 or more, they're 6-0. and So Buffalo, who's very good defensively, that mm-hmm. can the Bills now take this over to Dallas as a nice-size underdog. And Buffalo is 3-1 and on the road this year. The only loss came by three at Cleveland, a game that went back and forth. So they had an opportunity to be 4-0 and understandably – the best team they beat on the road now, it turns out, because they've improved so much, is Tennessee. And that was still with Marcus Mariota at quarterback. But this Buffalo team, still very good on the defensive side. As long as Josh Allen doesn't make mistakes, I think they have a good shot to cover, if not win. I mean, for Buffalo, this is a, a brutal stretch coming uh, down the last few games of the season because they right now are the number one wild card in the AFC. And uh, they, they are in control of it. But they have to make sure they don't slip up. And for Dallas, obviously, you know, they're in a division where you could throw the Giants and Redskins out and Philadelphia is slipping and sliding. So Dallas almost can split the rest of the way and still win the division. But I just don't have the faith right now to lay the points with Dallas in a game where they're playing somebody that's pretty good defensively. Dan, I think that, uh, you know, Dallas is always going to be popular because they're Dallas. And there's a lot of Dallas fans out there. I'm looking at the offense. You know, Prescott – very affordable on DraftKings. He's got to be the chalk, I would think. But you'll tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Uh, Zeke Elliott, they're feeding him last week. You could pick Amari Cooper, I think, because he's playing at home. You could look at their defense, thinking maybe they get Josh Allen to turn it over a couple of times. 
Um, that night game with New Orleans and Atlanta is going to be the most popular, but I see a lot of good things going on with this Dallas offense despite the matchup. Yeah, the, the Dak price on DraftKings really stands out. You know, he's less than, than Josh Allen is, which, uh, you know, he's the home quarterback. He's favored by seven, and yet he's got this – salary that stands out like a sore thumb here so I do think a lot of people will play him I don't know if he's quite going to be the the chalk but you know it's going to be split up between him Breeze and, and probably Matt Ryan um, but the thing about it is this Buffalo team is a, is a run funnel they're really good versus the pass and they struggle versus the run and that's why we see Amari Cooper here at 6k again lowest salary we've had on him but you mentioned home road splits talk about how dramatic these are We've got a 29.7 DraftKings points at home this year, 8.4 DraftKings points on the road. Now, sometimes that can be a little bit noisy, but I think there's something to it here. But I think he's a guy that I'll be, I think is going to garner just a ton of ownership at that price, uh, just because of the name that he garners. And and coming off the bagel, like, you know, they're going to want to feed him and get him going. So if you're playing a cash game, you're definitely going to play him. I like Elliott best in this game, though. Like I said, run funnel here. Davis White's a really good corner. He's going to be on Cooper. So in tournaments, if you don't play Cooper, I like Elliott at 7-4. The price is fine. Uh, we saw, you know, decent workload for him last week. And it feels like he's ready for a get-right spot. Last week certainly wasn't it against uh, New England in, in terrible weather. But he did have two touchdowns against Detroit didn't get great yardage that day but I think that he's a guy who's going to go over 100 yards here and uh the other guy to talk about too because tight end is a total disaster on this slate could be Jason Witten now he doesn't have a huge ceiling but he's cheap and I know I made fun of you about five weeks ago for talking about Jason Witten on this show Holden so you're waiting to give it back to me no right I don't now. remember I, I seriously don't remember oh, so I I absolutely blasted you I, I think yeah. K Raj probably remembers that one it was I, I went don't. in I went into you bad that day but on a <laughs> on a uh, on a three game slate like this you can't be too picky and he's one of the few guys who's getting consistent targets here that uh, at that position that you need to roster in in your team so uh, I think he's he's viable oh my god five weeks ago you just pummeled me on that and look how you're coming around now five weeks later uh, I do want to talk about the Buffalo side real quick before we get yeah. back to K-Rodge I mean Josh Allen it has been compiling point he's been on a roll last three weeks he can always you know throw the ball deep and Brown scores a touchdown or two so I mean if you're going in this game I think first of all you're playing multiple lineups you're yeah. gonna have some Josh Allen but I think you got to bring it back with Brown. I mean, I don't care who's on Brown. This guy is a is a deep ball away from 10 points on one play. No question. I think there's uh, a couple of guys we can look at here. Um, and I, I fi- I'm fine with Allen in tournaments. There's no question. I think his ownership's going to be low. And he's going to be the key. And here's the deal, too. Buffalo, they're not getting a whole lot of respect. They obviously see it in the line. And they're never on national TV. I mean, this is a, a moment for them in front of a national audience to say, hey, we're the real deal. I think they come ready to play. I like them plus the seven points in this game. Um, but I, you mentioned John Brown, absolutely one play away. I think the, the again, another really cheap, sneaky guy for you, especially if you're playing Allen, uh, could be a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, 3.1K uh, on this three-game slate. You know, he's playing a, a decent number of snaps out there. And uh, I think that, again, you're going to have to be uncomfortable playing a few guys if you want to play Michael Thomas, you want to play Kamara, you want to play Julio, you want to play these studs 
you're going to have to find these 3K crappers. There's another name for you that I think is viable on this slate. Well, I think especially if Robert Foster's out. You know, he Robert Foster had a nice catch this past week, but his hamstring was bothering him. He did head out to practice. Keep an eye on that because I think if Foster's out, then you got McKenzie. If McKenzie, uh, if Foster does play, I think, you know, Foster might be a, a guy that can, you know, just pop up and score a touchdown here. Uh, K-Rodge, 45 is the total. Which, which way are you leaning? Probably have to go under just because uh, of the way Buffalo's defense has been. And, and like I said before about Dallas, not trusting them against good defenses. Also, another note here, fourth time the Bills are an underdog this year in their first three occurrences, 26 points with New England total, 21 against Tennessee, 35 against Cleveland. So there's been a lot of underplays there. Uh, pretty much never in doubt in all three of those with the Bills in the role of an underdog. And I just can't see where Dallas – I mean, Dallas can still obviously win this game. But, you know, if Dallas can win this one 21-16, you're still staying under the total. I just can't see where this can be a high-scoring affair. Hey, Dan, anything with Singletary in that run game over there with the uh, – I mean, Frank Gore, give me a break. But Singletary? Yeah, yeah he you know, 70% of snaps over the last two weeks mm-hmm. and uh, 21 for 106 on the ground. I'm fine with him. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's like a core play for me, but I wouldn't X him out of my player pool. Okay. He's yet to kind of break out for like that two touchdown, you know, you know, slate breaking performance. I'd be a little bit surprised it would come here, especially as like a seven point underdog. I'd rather kind of play him when they're the favorite, when they can control the clock. Uh, it's obviously it's possible that happens here, but I don't think it's a likely scenario. So um, I think there's probably better running back plays than him at the price. I'm- just want to throw this out here. Three games all in a dome. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, no Leon Lett moments. No no elements. Three games in a dome. Come on, NFL. I'd, I'd much rather see Buffalo and Dallas in Buffalo. That'd be nice. Uh, 820 Eastern. New Orleans at Atlanta. This is the big game. NBC, 48 uh, is where it opened with the total. It's sitting at 49. Opened K-Raj. Five and a half point favorites for New Orleans. Now there's seven-point favorites at even money. So this is interesting because Atlanta went in and whooped New Orleans' tushy down in New Orleans. And I have a hard time thinking, especially after watching a lot of that Atlanta game against Tampa Bay, I have a hard time thinking, even though New Orleans is on the road, they're in a dome and they can't cover the seven. I feel like they're just going to go out and wipe out Atlanta. Yeah, I could see that happening uh, just because – look, going back to that game a few weeks ago, so that was a lot of value in the Falcons, getting 14 mm-hmm. off the bye. I know the Saints were off the bye, too. But we know Atlanta has the capabilities of at least hanging with New Orleans, and they beat them outright. But also in that game, just a note on the Saints, that they only allowed about 320 yards of offense to Atlanta. So it wasn't like Atlanta had 500 yards in them either in that game. But the Falcons were in control of it, and they ended up getting the win. And it almost felt like the Tampa Bay game this past Sunday that that was the – her plunk game for the Atlanta Falcons, you know, that after they went at New Orleans, went at Carolina, they're feeling good about themselves. Then they play Tampa Bay, who's been a disaster, and the Bucs run them. So now Atlanta's back in the underdog role, and Atlanta's just not good at home. I I don't know what it is. They beat Philadelphia in week two, but for some reason they have not fared well at home. And I know they had the Seattle game without Matt Ryan earlier in the year. But as far as the Saints go, they held off Carolina this past week. And I just keep going back to this seesaw, at least defensively, for the Saints, that if you go back to week three against Seattle, they allowed 27. 
Then they allowed 10 to Dallas, then 24 to Tampa, 6 to Jacksonville, 25 to Chicago, 9 to Arizona, 26 to Atlanta, 17 to Tampa, 31 to Carolina. So you got to expect this is the one where they rebound and play better. Obviously, New Orleans, they're in control of the South, so they're okay with that. But still, with, with San Francisco coming up, still an opportunity maybe to get, uh, if not home field, maybe a buy in the first round. They cannot mess around in this game against Atlanta. I think New Orleans will take care of business. Yeah, I can't remember where I saw it, though. But after week 10, you know, you get in the late season divisional games, you're, all, you're, you're seeing them go under a little bit. So when I come back, I want to talk to, talk to you about that. But, Dan, the Atlanta side to me is really curious here because Hooper missed practice yesterday. We're sitting here taping this on Tuesday. So you kind of have to figure out a lineup with Hooper and without Hooper. And if it's without Hooper, don't don't you go back to Russell Gage, at least on DK, 10 targets last week, eight catches. The team you would think would be down. Maybe they have to go there. And I, I don't know how much of the game you watch, but Julio Jones is in serious trouble with that shoulder. Normally it's lower body injuries that worry me with a wide receiver. I mean, the guy could not lift his arm. So he's going to have to be drugged up if, if we're going to see him uh, succeed. Calvin Ridley's got a little deeper A dot lately, so – uh, I think Russell Gage, is he a guy you have to take into account if Hooper does not play? Probably. I mean, the price came up, but it's 4.5. So, like, on DraftKings in particular, that's pretty reasonable. So, I think he's squarely an option. And and just to piggyback on something that you alluded to there before you got into this was, uh, you know, it seems like the second time around the, the, the games, you know, usually are lower. Well, it's been proven from a fantasy perspective, the second time that you play an in-division opponent, uh, it, you almost always, not always, but the trend is lesser fantasy points just because you're more familiar with that situation mm-hmm. facing him the second time of the year. So that's something you got to be a little bit careful of. But, you know, even if Michael Thomas doesn't do what he did last week, he or last time they played 14 for 152 that day and didn't score a touchdown. And, and I think Kevin made a great case. And, and why I think New Orleans is a smash here is it's not like Atlanta went up and down the field against them. And I think that New Orleans had a little bit of bad luck in that game that I think will probably turn. And uh, they're going to want a little bit of revenge here off of that em- embarrassing performance at home. So I look for Breeze to be a great option. Thomas, uh, Kamara. I mean, you, the one thing about you love about New Orleans right now is they're they're pretty focused in terms of where they're getting the football. It's to Kamara, it's to Michael Thomas, and it's been to Jared Cook the last couple of weeks. So those are the three guys I'm looking at. Kamara, seven receptions in four consecutive games. And again, if Hooper's out, like there is no great tight end. So I think Jared Cook is the guy that I would plug and play because he's been one of the few players at that position with a ceiling. So uh, I definitely like him. The one guy to keep your eye on, too, on Atlanta, it's still early in the week for us here, but if Freeman comes back for Atlanta, he could be viable just because Brian Hill proves that he is not very good. He's been given ample opportunity to be that lead back the last two and a half weeks, and he's really done nothing with it. So if Freeman is in, if he's active, I think he's going to get the lion's share of the work, and in a game which they might be trailing, it wouldn't shock me to see him get six, seven receptions in that pass game on dump offs. Yeah. So, K. Rods, let's get to the let's let's get to the you know the the total, and then here's the deal. Uh, week eleven on was actually you've got um, uh, late season divisional games. The under is the way to go. I think you know you're just something remarkable, like sixty three percent over the last few years. So. 
that's something I think you got to keep in mind with this game. I don't know, you know, you're you're the the betting insider here. The totals at forty nine. It opened at forty eight. So, do you see anything, any merit to going with the under here, or are we just looking at a, the Saints team coming out and laying down a hammer? I normally like the this uh, vice versa. We always keep an eye on with divisional matchups from the standpoint of not necessarily if the first matchup goes under to go over the second time or vice versa, but if the first matchup is just so totally under, like and maybe this isn't a great example, but Jacksonville, Tennessee, when they played in week three, and granted you had different quarterbacks, Mariota and Minshew, that was a low-scoring game. They played again this past Sunday and just sailed over the total. I get they had a huge third quarter of the Titans with different quarterbacks in, but uh, maybe you'll see a higher-scoring game after you had a combined 35 points the first time around. Now, that would be one reason why I'd like the over here. They just played a low-scoring game. Maybe you'll see a high-scoring game, and it's a few points lower. Now, on the flip side, though, like I mentioned, with the defense playing better after a not-so-great performance for the Saints, then that would make me want to think about the under if New Orleans, you know, if they drop 28 and they win this game 28-10, 28-17, then you'd probably go that direction. So I probably want to stick with that one just because of Atlanta not really lighting up New Orleans the first time uh, necessarily. So I would probably say go under here. And also hmm. for the Falcons, the two games prior to the Tampa Bay game, that they did play really well defensively. And we know Atlanta's not good defensively, but they at least showed some signs there. So I'll probably stick with that one out of the two. Probably go under, not convincing, but at least uh, one game that can be 28-17, 28-20 and stay under. You know, you mentioned Kamara there, Dan. I just feel like if I have 10 lineups, I've got to have 80%, 90% exposure to Michael Thomas at this point. I mean, on, on either side. Yeah. Like you have, he has to be the foundation I can see at least going Zeke and maybe a Tariq Cohen and, you know, figuring out something else in the flex. But at this point, Michael Thomas, outside of Christian McCaffrey, this is as consistent as it gets. Like, he builds your floor and just try and get some other guys to go off. He has to be in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's – and he's not, like, ridiculously priced or anything here for a three-game slate either. And like we've talked about, there, there's enough ways to make it happen. I thought they priced the slate actually pretty well. So, yeah, he's going to be in it. But I don't – think there's anything wrong with playing Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees alongside that up like I think we can do that the the question is and and I think uh, the one thing from a strategy side of things is like if you're talking about a full slate usually if you're running three guys from a game you're automatically running something back from the other side because you're thinking like this is going to be the high scoring fantasy game of the day I'm going to uh, take advantage of it but the fact of the matter is we only have three games here. We might not have a back-and-forth type shootout situation. So don't force a quote-unquote game stack here on three-game slates. You don't have to do it. When you're, when you're looking at the larger slates, it makes a ton of sense to do that because there's a higher likelihood there might be that one spot that does go back and forth. There's a very good chance that New Orleans wins this game 35-14 to, to 14, and you've got tons of fantasy goodness from New Orleans and really nothing there from Atlanta on the other side. So don't force the run back here on these three-game kind of Thanksgiving slates. You almost got to pick and choose and try and get those those touchdowns from those other games. And that's why I like Detroit and Chicago. You know, if this was a 12-game slate, we're probably not p- playing anybody from that because 
you know, we, we've got so many other people to choose from. But here, if you can figure out who scores that touchdown, at, you know, it's going to be low ownership because we're scheduled to have 39 points. There's going to be scores to be had and then pair them up with these studs. I think that's the path to winning the big field tournaments this week. All right, guys, I want to remind everybody that uh, if you're watching this on YouTube on a Roto Grinders channel, make sure you like and subscribe. Like and subscribe because wonderful, magical things will happen to you if you do that. Uh, Dan, what do you want to plug? Sharpside app, Roto Grinders. We've got a lot going on here with Thanksgiving coming up. Yeah, um, on Sunday, we actually are doing another uh, free roll over on Yahoo. And I think Ooh. that uh, we're going to have free access to our lineup builder over there on Yahoo for this weekend. So be on the lookout for that. A uh, huge week for college football as well. You've got uh, an incredible Friday slate and then a Saturday slate. Uh, and then next week, of course, is the championship. So if you want to be a subscriber, we've got weekly options for you. So if you're looking for uh, playing some daily fantasy college football. Uh, that's what I like doing this weekend. So yep. check that out. Wish I could. Stuck in Colorado. Can't do it. Wish I could. Hey, K-Raj, um, NFL college football going on right now. I just have a question for you like a Vegas insider. How much time can you spend on the NBA college basketball and the NHL when you got so much football going on? Honestly, uh, I find the time. And I've done well in NBA and college. And hockey's been a little bit slow for me. But uh, college is, is a tough one because you have a lot of these tournaments going on uh, the next few weeks, uh, especially this week, just so many of them. And uh, that's a little bit difficult. NBA is, is easier to follow just because you only have 30 teams. But college basketball, if you could find a way to get through the next few weeks and, and stay above water before conference season, you should be okay. But uh, admittedly, it is not easy uh, with the college basketball, but we still find a way to do it all. Yep, check out Kevin's stuff, VegasInsider.com. You can buy his picks. You can listen to his podcast. What's the name of the podcast? Bet and Collect. That's right, Bet and Collect. So you can do one of them, and then if you don't collect, it's really not worth it, is it? All right, guys, I'm going to go enjoy 15 inches of snow here in Denver. I'm sure it's nice out there in Jacksonville uh, and in South Florida, too. By the way, Dan, my parents just flew up from St. Augustine Island. So uh, this is a little different than what's going on down there right now in Florida. And I'm sure, uh, you know, you're eating your boobies down there, just cleaning up in 80-degree weather, guys. Yeah. Hey, I hope you. I hope there's a way that you guys can enjoy the Thanksgiving slate as much as I can because this is, again, my third favorite sports day of the year behind the first two days of the NCAA tournament. Dan, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You too. Um, I don't know what you're doing. You're probably eating turkey, hanging out with family. Uh, K-Raj, again, not sure what you're doing, probably doing the same thing as all of us. Enjoy it. Thanks to Devin back in the studio. He said I needed to pump this three times, so just like and subscribe on the YouTube channel, and we're all good. Bye, guys. Enjoy Thanksgiving. We'll catch you next week. See you.